caption should your team do you know my biography <laughs> did you memorize it I remember, hello everybody, welcome to Wombat Radio. Today we're at North Melbourne Town Hall in one of the studios and I have not memorised your biography so I'm going to let you take it from here. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I am Ellen Davies. Great. Yeah. Um, Do I need to introduce myself? You just did. whatever Whatever you think about it. I usually introduce myself that I'm a contractor. A contractor. Yeah. Well, we are and, contractors. Yeah. Some people contract me to make dance and some people contract me to make mm. music. Except recently the ABN cancelled my... Like, the the tax whoever cancelled yeah, my yeah. ABN because they said I didn't have a business. Because you didn't earn enough. Really. Yeah, because I don't have a business, but I am a business. So yeah, I, I had to explain that to them and then they just reinstated it. Apparently it happened to Ange too. Yeah. It's pretty normal. Just because you're not making enough money huh. to like have a business. Wow. Yeah. How much do you need to be making? A million dollars. To be, ma- I don't know. Well, I guess you just really need to be making some significant profit because that's what business is, right? Yes, that's what a good business is. To make profit. Yeah. Which is kind of not why. I work in dance. Why do you work in dance? Um, I don't know. <laughs> but also, um, my uncle, who... Um, I've already told you some funny things about what my grandpa said about my voice, but my uncle also said, asked me the other week why I'm so anti-money, Ooh. which I thought was a cool term that I'd never heard before. But are you? Or did he just think that you No, are? he just thinks that I'm anti-money because I'm not... Focused on making. On focused on making money. Mm. But I like the I like the term anti money. Um, um, I like dancing because you because it's pretty fun. Mm. You get to work with your friends or people you like, mm. and then if you are working with someone you don't like, you can kind of choose not to work with them again. Yeah, because you're a contractor. Yeah, so you can say no to things. Yeah. Which is really cool, yeah. um, and because it like requires a lot of you as a person, you can kind of make decisions based on that. Because mm. it takes a lot from you. Well, I find it takes a lot of myself. Do you yeah, find yeah, that? Yeah. <clears throat> it was the it was the reason I knew that I had to follow it. I don't know how long I will, but I had to at the time of graduating high school was because everything else seemed like it only used up part of my capacity Mm. and dancing demanded Mm. all of my capacity more than capacity than I had actually and so I knew I would have to become more to be able to fulfill it and there wouldn't be parts of me that would just slowly um uh what's the like when a muscle just kind of stops being used and then it shrivels and it goes to sleep. Not like muscular dystrophy. Uh, That's when muscles actually disappear. I think if you just haven't used something for a while, something can atrophy. Yeah, okay. And so I felt like... Because I was really interested in um, communication technology and I Uh felt like I could go into that, but then my physical self Mm. would atrophy or my... The part that I love about working with a team and being yeah. able to reach my limit and then have someone else in the team take over for a little while, mm. I felt like all of that would just completely atrophy. Mm. 
but not so with dance. So do you feel completely fulfilled in dance? Like all no. the... No, <laughs> <laughs> no but, but I feel that it, I, I can't just tick it off and be like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So somehow I feel fulfilled knowing that I'm not satiated. Yeah. Because it would be boring to be completely satiated. I imagine you would get to the point of boredom. Mm. Which is like that whole movie, Cruel Intentions. I don't... Oh, no, I have seen Cruel Intentions. Yeah, like they've got so much that they're bored with it. So they're they so play bored. all these games. Really fucked up games. Yeah. And I... So I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. No, that's, gr- that's a good thing. You can even ask the ATO. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't need to. Um, yeah. Um, it's not live. I know. <laughs> Do you edit stuff? Oh, if you, like I did an interview with Tim Derbyshire. You had to edit heaps out? Just, I didn't edit the silences out because that's him, actually. Yeah. This is like not attending to your social uncomfortability because of his silence. Yeah. Well, well I guess this is the real deal. This is the real deal, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, I've also been thinking quite a bit about being professional recently mm. because I often feel like I'm not very good at being professional. I don't think I'm very good at being professional, but I never really thought, like, if I go back in time, I never, dance was never a professional practice and then it just kind of became a professional practice and I don't think I'm so good at treating it as a professional practice in a way that I imagine professional should be. So do you mean things like leaving parts of yourself just yeah a bit behind or like um yeah yeah leaving parts of yourself at the door so that the machine can keep running yeah Mm. but the machine can always it's just confusing because what even is that yeah like who decides what that is yeah um so do you leave anything in the door or no? It's all no, I ne- I will, I'm not very good at compartmentalising anything. Yeah. So I'm really bad at leaving things at the door. And then I feel guilty for bringing too many things that are maybe unnecessary to a, to work. Mm. Mm. You know? My consideration is just about the su- suffering. If like the other people in mm. my team... Suffering because of what I'm bringing, then oh, right, yeah, then I'd be like, okay, that's that's a bit too much now, yeah, and it actually is no longer not professional, it's just not considerate, yeah. Has that <laughs> happened? Uh, no, not not on my account, I've yeah. never done anything but, like that, uh, <laughs> 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 but you know, I've worked for people who Where could leave some shit at home, yeah, sure, okay, but I think that's just good, like if you work for any choreographer and then. <laughs> preview run or rehearsal just before opening night or something the insecurities are higher so yeah. the notes become more harsh mm. and then you wonder if that's actually if that's part of the work yeah and if they are aware of that going on for themselves or mm. Mm. Um, I think at that point you when you're when it's a kind of 
if it's a really demanding thing, you just have to put up some... As the receiver of the... Or the recipient of the um, insecurities, you have yeah. to put up some... Maybe that is part of being professional, putting up like yeah. some defense mechanisms or knowing what to to just not be affected yeah, by. Yeah, it's like con- knowing the context enough to know how to listen to what is being said. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. Nice one. <laughs> Wisdom imparted. <laughs> like a transfer. Complete. Yeah. Why have you been thinking about professionalism? Um. Well, this year. Basically, since I finished uni in 2013, that's a little biographical note. That's a good one. Um, I've been working more and more each year, which is really nice. That is nice. It's really nice. And so I've been working quite a bit, and I work mostly for other people, like in projects for other people, which is really cool. Um, But it's also pretty overwhelming because you have to, like, you're... But maybe people do this all the time on their own projects, but you're just always managing completely different situations, completely different pools of knowledge, completely different personalities, and being like a kind of carrier for this information, and then you do a performance, and it's kind of weird. Um, (laughs) um, So I think I've been thinking about professionalism because... Also, sometimes I don't really enjoy things... And then I, th- and um, maybe I think part of being professional is just um, getting over not finding everything enjoyable. Mm. Is that a thing? I think that is the, yeah, that's the standard thing. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it referred to as don't do what you love, do what you would be willing to eat a shit sandwich for. Yeah, I've never heard that. (laughs) That's good. Because there will be days when it's totally shit. And I remember days in my dream job being less interested about going in and doing it. But I also think that it's it's the other thing about you can set all the curry so that every night is guaranteed or you can... Um, set the improvisational structure and then make it the responsibility of the performers to be interested yeah. so that when they do what they do, something is generated mm-hmm. in the space. Yep. And so he, maybe it's that you're not going to accidentally enjoy mm-hmm. or accidentally be fulfilled, but the old school way of just do it anyway, yeah. suffer through it, is a little bit counter to what I prefer, which is how can I reshape what is happening or reframe mm. my experience of it so that the joy returns. Yes. And yeah. the thing still happens. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems like a long way around. No, but it's sometimes just hard to find. Yes. You just have to find it, which is also a really good challenge. Yeah, and fight for it. You learn things. Yeah, and there's that weird playoff between finding and discovering something or generating it. Yeah, like, Do you totally. find love or do you generate oh, love? Shit. Do you find yourself or do you generate yourself through experience? Well, it's states? just about language, isn't it? So, somehow, I, my relationship with love is that it's not something that you find, it's something that you generate. Yeah. And then you hopefully are lucky enough that you can find somebody to 
throw it at that won't do things that will make you question that you're throwing what it you're at What you're doing. Them. Like, if, if you became the object of my love and oh, I'm throwing my love That would you. be so controversial. <laughs> Just because the I love is I have to go back worrying. to Campbelltown in November to work with Ange. <laughs> if this cup became the object of my love... No, if, if anybody did, then my relationship with love is that the, the thing that they are doing is allowing me to keep loving them. Yes. But I am the one that's generating that love. And it, if they don't mistreat me or whatever yeah. and interrupt that, then I am generating it. But they're not, like, it's not happening because of that other person. Like, no. I'm still responsible for it. And so I feel that way about when I'm bringing love into a process or mm. studio practice or whatever. I can generate and bring the love as long as... And what makes it much easier is if there's nothing going on that makes me question whether that's a safe thing for me to do. Yes. I think yes. that's what it's about. Yeah. Well, that um, is, I think, in, like, some feminist writing, that's how some good feminist writing that's how love is spoken about I'm thinking about Bella Hooks who's this really incredible author who just speaks like you create love you don't and I think in um, like in stupid fairy tales and stuff the the setup of like one day love will find you or yeah like one day yeah you'll just it'll come to you is it's just really not helpful because um it's super passive. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so I passive. And it makes you feel like you're not in control. Yeah. But also, it is... It's, like, way more fun when you just can love things. Because love... Yeah, love as an action, not love as an, um, someone opening the door and handing it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But, um... I think that ties in with professionalism. Which is, like, actually mm. in our profession when the environment and context is safe then you should not leave your love at the door you should like bring all yeah. your love in because that's going to make the that's going to generate the magic sure but sometimes that's tricky sometimes you don't know about that until it happens yeah. until it's like a bit too late down yeah. the track like that's the hard thing about working sometimes you can't Let's, let's just not do it. Let's just not do it. <laughs> no, like, some, yeah. Um, yeah, I had some, this, these weren't, like, really bad experiences, but earlier in the year I did have some, just a weird time when um, working when, during Dance Massive when in the space of a week I was bitten by someone in a performance really badly so that like I had a huge bruise and couldn't really walk and then um, I was split my head open and concussed and it just um, in a different piece on a concrete floor and they're not like like relative to everything else in the world they're not really bad things but it was just seemed like a um, some kind of very like a sign um, mm. to do with um, looking after yourself and 
keeping space in other people's work. Like looking after yourself when you're working for other people is super important. Um, Got any tips on how to do that? I don't know. You... <laughs> Maybe you just want... think about it and yeah. then you just remember it and then. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Because yeah. somehow you want to. There's the desire to just surrender completely totally. yourself yeah. to the project or process or religion or whatever it is. Or thing. love. Or love, yeah. yeah. And that if, yeah, if you let go of that being, that intoxication. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You've been making stuff? Um, I've, well, I've, I, did, sorry, yes, it's the answer. <laughs> I did a um, performance a couple of weeks ago uh, as part of Dance Speaks, which was curated by Leah Landau cool. um, at Coonahan Gallery, which is a council gallery in Brunswick in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Watson was the main act and I like to call myself the supporting act because I was like before his act mm-hmm. and it was like a shorter amount of time. You like the hype. Yeah, I was like, the, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. I was like getting the audience like ready for yeah. like the, the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that was, I've not presented much work so that, and I did a solo work so, and that was like actually really, really nice and good learning experience. I made a video. I made two videos. I made a slideshow um, using words of Susan Sontag from a book she wrote called The Volcano Lover. And then um, I made a video of videos I've made of myself over four years in my bedroom dancing in my bedroom and then I got naked and did a life modeling practice live or that was yeah live that was the live performance but there was like videos and then I did this life modeling practice because I also sometimes work as a life model Mm. um and it was good apparently I inspired someone to start life modeling like they actually went and did life modeling the other week so Mm. that's pretty cool um that's not why I wanted to do life modeling. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that happened. What was your hopes for that piece when you were making it? Um, well, I also spoke a little bit before I performed. To, I spoke to the crowd and um, a lot, I was just really questioning performance and why I perform. Um, and because recently, or just actually always, I've performance confuses me and my motivation or my what motivates me to perform is something I don't really know why I want that um and then performing in other people's work yeah is a bit confusing sometimes and also scary sometimes and really hard so and life modeling is this thing that I've done over a couple of years as a way to earn cash and it's one of, like, it's the easiest way of performing and kind of really enjoyable. And so I wanted to transpose that experience into my 
my other context, which is dancing, and see if there's anything to get from that or what that performance was. It was also like a self-performance. Like I just wanted to perform myself instead of being confused about being myself doing someone else's ideas mm. and people watching me in that. Mm. Yeah. So do you feel like, because life modelling is, um, doesn't, isn't scary and hard and no. doesn't break you down into pieces yeah. through the process and then you got to do that in a dance performance. Yeah. Now dance, dance performance is not scary and hard? No. <laughs> um, wait. <laughs> I wonder if, if you just find something that's not scary and hard and you do it in a dance performance context. Is it, is it suddenly not scary and hard? Yeah, dance. yeah, yeah, exactly. Does it make you think, well, at least some dance performance is not scary and hard? Um, well, that performance was actually still really scary <laughs> and hard. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was more a thing like it was my own and I was it was more of me kind of wanting to do nothing in a performance to feel mm. what I wanted from the performance. It was really selfish. I wanted to feel something in the performance and um, see what literally being bare, like being naked, standing still, mm. what I got from that and pretend, and then hear what people got from that. What did you get from it? What did I get from it? Um, I don't know if I got anything that interesting, but um, it it actually it was quite an like it was quite an affirming thing. I felt really good for doing it. I felt um, I'm yeah. I'm also always interested just as you've probably gotten in the role of the dancer and I wanted to just I'm interested in in that performance I was interested in framing myself because I don't normally get to frame myself mm. and I was happy that I got to, that I had the power to frame myself and that's only not happened because I've not made my own work before but it was really good to frame myself in a way and to make people watch me just as so that I know as some kind of justification for performance and dancing. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. How do you work? How do I work? Yeah. I work quite slowly. Okay. I sit on... I think about things for a long time. Um, and then before it's going to happen, it kind of happens at the last moment. Mm. That's how I've worked so far. How do you work? I have something that's unresolved mm. or something that I'm not brave enough to just go and tackle directly mm -hmm. and so uh, or something I just don't understand and I can't understand it just by thinking about it 
Um, and then I dwell on that. <laughs> I dwell. And then I go, I try and find something that makes me want to do something, so a song that makes me want to move, mm-hmm. or a costume that makes me move in a particular way, or mm. um, an action that I need to take, like I needed to put a new starter motor on my Mustang recently, mm-hmm. and so I had to go and meet some people that I would not have met, so mm-hmm. somehow force myself yeah. into being compelled to do the things that mm-hmm. I'm not really good otherwise going to do out of self-discipline because mm. nah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then shit emerges like mm. um accidents and problems and mistakes happen okay. or i remember i had some free space at critical path and i had my laptop open to a youtube playlist and a thing and i had ideas and i would write until i got a block but I, would, I was standing up, I wasn't sitting down, so I was warm. And the music was playing music that made me want to dance, um, Beyonce and Rihanna and people like this. And then when I was, when I felt that like I was thinking in circles or spirals, mm-hmm. then I would dance mm-hmm. until the new idea came in words into my head and I would go and write them down. What was the content? Of um, I was thinking about this thing that's since turned into a project about if there is some kind of geographically distributed folk dance. Uh-huh. So there's some kind of cultural dance going on, whereas cultural dance used to be specific to a place. Mm-hmm. Now, because we're so we're like traveling and watching each other, perhaps there is a cultural dance of people and they know each other's cultural dance just because they travel and they watch each other. Yeah download it and they video themselves in their yeah. bedrooms and then they see each other do that yeah and that if there's a shared enough vocabulary and feeling and meaning then we're all part of that same dance community yeah um but then that had it just has so many problematics around it that can fall into arguments when it's text mm-hmm. but sure. when it's embodied yeah. and when it's danced in the right frame yeah then things seem less able to argue out of existence yeah totally yeah so is this the work that you made recently or you're making that's like an extension of that 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 was i learned my cultural dance from youtube and that was an extension of that but the original idea was just that there is some kind of cosmopolitan folk dance yeah okay um and what could it be and maybe it's just whatever it is that my body wants to do when it is dancing for joy and pleasure to be with others with all of the skill that it has trained in over the years um but it's specific to a group of people yeah like yeah what are the what are the commonalities Mm. of anywhere in the world you go to an r&b club Mm. the dancing is the same Mm. but you need to be into that music and know how to do that dancing. Mm. Even if you don't do it well, you need to know how to do it well enough so that you enjoy doing it. Mm. And that that is some kind of cultural dance in itself. Like now it's, that's kind of a more straightforward explanation of what the idea might look like. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just that it's so messy 
that we're all across so many cultures. It's super messy. Yeah, and I was also thinking about not having a cultural dance, like not yeah. being denoted as an individual who might have a, a cultural, cultural dance. dance. Even in, perhaps my ancestors had one, but it, because it hasn't been taught to me, I don't... You don't know it. No, it's not embodied. Yeah. So, actually, um, there are moves from music videos that are more embodied. And so why yeah. isn't that now my cultural dance? Yeah. If it's well, it culture. is. Just because it's pop culture doesn't mean it's not. Culture. Culture dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was thinking about and dancing about. And yeah. I just found that the best way to have the discourse with people was to dance for them yeah. and then let them have the thoughts uh -huh. because words can be pinned down yeah. and struck from the record and it's, it's always in such a logic-based, argumentative-based frame reference, whereas movement is somehow generative rather than reductive. Hey! <laughs> 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 I'll just press pause. Just pause it. Hello? Is nice. that working? Yeah. <laughs> it has no sign. Tell me um tell me about your hobbies. Oh hobbies. Um I don't really have like consistent hobbies. Um I I guess a hobby would just be going for a run. <laughs> That's so boring. <laughs> or a walk. Going to the movies. I don't have good hobbies. <laughs> oh, I'm not passing judgment. But. Okay. Going to the movies. Um, I really like eating food. Um, <laughs> I read. Actually, I read a lot. What do you read? Books. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... I guess you might call traveling a hobby, mm. but it's kind of, oh, I don't know. I think of hobbies as being things like knitting or... But you don't knit. No, I don't knit. What are your hobbies? Oh, I know some of your hobbies. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah, my hobbies. I know your hobbies. <laughs> um, I'm curious to know about what you do in a studio. Well, we started talking before about mm. how you work. But then you flipped it on me real quick. Sure, yes, I was deflecting. So I'm interested about how you work. Like when you rock up, you step into a space, then... Bless you. Bless and you. then what? Um, well, I don't work heaps making my own work, and I've, I don't think... Um, I prefer to work with other people because I mm. kind of go into a spiral on my own. Mm. I spend a lot of time watching things. Um, like on YouTube? Or, yeah. yeah right. Or reading other things. I, I think I spend a lot of time, like, imagining being different things by, like, reading things or watching people do things. And mm. then I don't have a... I don't have, like, a rigorous physical practice that's mine own but you imagine do, you imagine being other things like yeah but i don't think imagined having a risk, rigorous <laughs> physical practice no i don't think i'm very interested <laughs> in that um i think perhaps like i think i'm if i'm an artist 
<laughs> good way to phrase it. Yeah, if I am one, I mm. think um, I'm don't. I don't really know how to use my body yet, and I'm very. I'm interested in performance, um, but I I don't think dance is the medium for me. Uh-huh. Like I'm pretty interested. But people in, employ you to be dancer, a dancer. For yeah, them. but I don't. So they make, must think that you know how to use your body. Oh, no, I know how to use my body, and I like, and I'm, I'm good at dancing. Like I, and a reason I'm good at dancing is that I, for some reason in my life, have liked the brain pathway that is learning how to dance Mm. and it's like a skill Mm. but when I go into the studio I don't um I think at some points I get excited by dancing but that's not really a a consistent thing that I like to do on my own Mm. I enjoy dancing with other people yeah me too yeah I like I really like dancing with other people um but I think actually, like, a recent thing has been making pretty bad films. Or not bad films, but, like, B-grade, like, just on iMovie. But I find that um, I get overwhelmed by not being able to see things from a distance when I'm dancing. Mm. So I think maybe I've recently I've been writing a bit and also making kind of these films... Um, as a way to see things differently. Well, well, <laughs> third time. How how do you be a dancer for other people? Um. You well, it's always different. Yeah. How do you work out? I guess is a better question. Is how do you work out what the situation is calling for? You mean actually, how do you how do you dance when you're being a dancer for other people? No, it's more like how do you do the role of? Mm. Well, it's always different, and it's weird. Because it always calls for a different type of involvement. And figuring that out is strange. Um, Have you had any insights? Or? <laughs> um, well, for myself, I think I just mostly need to relax. Because I think I experience a lot of insecurity when I'm in a new position. And then I say then I'm asking, always asking myself if I'm doing the right thing or if I'm, I'm always scared that I'm not doing the right thing. Um, so giving advice to myself, I just would say, you were asked to be here, so don't, maybe don't worry about it for a little bit. Nice. Yeah, nice. Um, that seems like a solution to an ongoing problem that's experienced by many people is this fear of being found out because you're an imposter or something. So... Yeah, totally. Do you have any other things like that that you've... Like things that you tell yourself or ways to um, operate that is... helps keep keep it healthy? Well, um... 
I'm a, <laughs> I'm a very emotional person, so I'm always on a journey of trying to look after myself and figure out how to behave <laughs> in a way that's healthy. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'll think about that. That it might arise in, but um, yeah. Some interesting things that have happened this year was um, working with Beck Jensen on Deep Sea Dancers for Dance Massive because we were working in a group of like seventeen dancers, which was um, really interesting because I've not worked in a group that large. Probably maybe at uni we did like a group piece with maybe the same amount of people, but. That was really interesting because um, Beck was wanting, like actively wanting it to be this kind of democratic thing where everyone um, could contribute if they wanted to and she wanted it to be very equal. But then um, kind of maybe like about halfway through, it got to the point where she was obviously stressed because there were so many voices and then we became well I I became aware that like sometimes I did want to contribute but actually I was just another voice and how do you contribute in that like what's the best voice to contribute so that was an interesting position um operating within a large group and then what else um yeah in a couple of weeks I have to do a Melbourne. I have to dance <laughs> for um, Philip Adams for this Melbourne Festival show, which I'm, I think I'm experiencing a lot of like this imposter thing. With I'm really nervous because it's quite like a technical dance, and um, I don't feel ready for it at, like at all. And I'm very scared that it's going to be really bad. Like I'm going to do a really bad job. Which I probably won't. Like I'll just do a job. And <laughs> that it's all like it's just in my body, so it should be fine. But you just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to deal with that. How do you deal with that? I try and work out how I can be most useful yeah. and I focus my effort there and some of trying to be most useful is to try and hear what people need not what they're saying mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah and I think it's quite often that the person in the, a lot of people don't have enough time to work that out yeah. when they're in process and so there's constantly translation going on um, even when I was a choreographer for a crump dance film a, a few crump years dance ago. film yeah did you like, have experience in crump dancing no the dancers were crumpers they uh, had experience. and you just had to like and I somehow, what I realized, because I had the same feeling of imposter syndrome, totally. but what I realized was that I was there to translate the importance of context mm. from the director to the dancers and the importance of 
physicality and how it would be read from the dancers to the director. Mm. And there was one particular quite aggressive arm swing that freezes in mid-punch that was supposed to be like a, a poignant closing of a scene and we'd rehearsed it and some real feelings get activated from viewing it because it's a fight between these two brothers um, and it wasn't working on the shoot day and we shot it a few times and the director's because the director is not mm, movement literate in the way that a choreographer yeah. or a dancer is that are, but what she can see is that it's not affecting her the way it did when we did rehearsals which she was absolutely correct about and but then the dancers are doing what they had done in rehearsals and so my job in that situation was to work out where the breakdown was and what happened is that in rehearsals the dude that does the swing was wearing a t-shirt and so (laughs) there was a difference in tone between the forearm and the upper arm, which affected your eye because you saw a change. Yeah. But in the co- the costuming had put him in this Whoa. long sleeve jumper, so and so it just it. flattened it out. And so we worked out how to change the camera angle so that you saw the change. Yeah. And then it worked out. But, like, in that moment, none of the shit that I trained in or thought that I wanted to do or be was useful. I had to work out. Mm. what we were trying to achieve and where the breakdown in mm. communication was. And mm. But that's really interesting to me. So yeah. it wasn't a big leap to take, whereas no. there's some situations where there's work that needs to be done that you could do. But I I feel like, oh, that's not really what I'm here for. Yeah. That's not what I'm here to do. Like I have yeah. other skills. Like what kind I of... I don't know. Um... It's that Steve McQueen uh, Cars, the movie. Yeah. Where his punishment is to pull this tar machine to make a new road and he's telling them about this elite, highly tuned performance vehicle that he is for speed and handling and everything. And so it kind of feels like that where actually sometimes it feels a little bit arrogant when I need to say, actually, I'm the elite performance i'm not the elite performance machine but like i have the ability to throw myself through space and headstand and all that shit and do it day after day and if you want someone to just lift that heavy thing and put it over there sure don't use this body to do that if you're interested in the longevity of your work like of the piece and it being able to oh sure because you don't want to be invested in that you don't want to commit to that um, because it's a mismatch of the capabilities of the cast. Yeah. And if we go on tour and do that for 12 weeks, this body that can headstand and propel through space will no longer be able to because it will injure itself. Ah, uh, okay. Because it's for this and it's not for that. But again that's, like that. again, that's really sometimes really hard to know until you're already in oh, something. Until you're already injured and uh, then out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and how do you... It's a bit um, of a problem... It's not a problem. You always have to look after yourself, but it's you have to deal with other people when you choose to opt out of something yes. halfway through, three quarters of the way through. You have to, and sometimes maybe it's really important for that decision to be made, but then you are affecting other people, and that's yes. a that's just a tricky situation to provoke because you have to deal with other shit. 
which is um, annoying. But, yeah, I think uh, a lot of... At some stage, I was just thinking a lot about how being a dancer is just, like, helping some... Like, you're just helping someone or supporting someone. It's a super supportive position to be in. I think maybe there's some kind of dance where it's not, like, ballet dance, where you're not... You're not, you're not, I mean, ballet dance where choreography is already made or like, but if you're in a process where you're working with a choreographer to create something, it's a completely supportive position. Um, and I like it, I like that about the work that I do because I, I think I'm good at supporting people. That's like one skill that I'm, yeah, and also, um, working with your friends is interesting like when you work with your friends and then when you work with people who aren't your friends who you don't know so well and then you also have to support those people but you have a you might know them less or um understand their um internal process less understand their patterns of thinking less and um it's pretty fun to figure that out Mm. or like witness that Mm. yeah I'm interested in what you were talking about before with um, working when you're not in the space to work. Yeah, oh, I'm so bad at it. How? What do you do? Sometimes I recently, I've just, just recently because outside of, de- like I've had a, a kind of a tough time, like some things have happened. So sometimes I actually just which I don't feel totally proud about, but sometimes I do say I can't do this. Um, And then sometimes I do just, when it's my own process or I'm an author of a process, I might say that, but not when I'm rehearsing for someone else. Mm. Um, Or sometimes I do stick through it and actually then that can sometimes be a really good thing where you do surprise yourself or you do have a good day um, and then you're happy that you worked through a bit of a sh- brain block. Mm. Um, but also work can happen in different ways and in different places. Mm. Like sometimes, like maybe you have a residency or you have space, but then you realise that on a particular day it would actually be way more effective to work somewhere else. And that's that's um, a useful tool. How do you know the difference between just procrastination or delaying yeah. or deferring or and actually what you need? Mm. How can you tell the difference? I don't. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm very intuitive, or I don't know if I. I like to try listening to my intuition. Um, sometimes you can make mistakes, and that's really frustrating because then you feel like you have wasted something. Mm. But I guess you can't dwell on that for too long because that's also not very it's also useful. A waste. That's also a waste. <laughs> um, there's a f- 
there was a few songs that I had that would just oh, put yeah. me in the right mood. Oh, really? That's good. One called Dap Drops, and it was <laughs> instrumental, and it would be just enough to make me feel good. Oh, yeah. But not enough to make me want to get up and dance and then yeah. leave the thing that I have to do. Yeah. And so I'd just play that, and like, yeah, all right. And somehow it would be like a drug, activating yeah. different chemicals, and then yeah. hope somehow like <laughs> having to do work that i don't want to do but it's yeah. good for a pup for a future outcome yes hope is what gets me there hope that's nice yeah. i think also just as as you work more and as time goes on you learn about how to work more mm. I, that's something i think i'm starting to experience that yeah you learn you learn your ways of working and yeah. how best to, um, when to push yourself and when not to push yourself. Mm. You can recognize. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you make work? Um... Well, I make a lot of work that I don't share. And so I feel... uh, uh, So do you make work if you make work that you don't share? Yeah, (laughs) Like you do, but um, I make... So... Like I... uh, I that's like an outlet like I express things a lot because I think as I like as I just said I'm I experience things in an emotional way mostly like I'm super emotional and a lot of what um I create whether I share it or not mostly don't share it is um some kind of emotional understanding of something. I don't, yeah, I don't, um, I find it easy to engage with things on an emotional level. That's like my most intuitive way of engaging with things. Um, and is that also how you know what you think? about something how i feel about it yeah yeah mostly i trust my feeling some sometimes i i get really confused by things and then i have i do this process of um uh, like stripping it i've like it feels like stripping back where and then it goes to a feeling and then i go oh i know that this is right because of how i feel and then i cannot and then but it takes a lot of effort to do that sometimes like I, th- I would like to um, be able to be more articulate and speak more clearly sometimes. I know that I, I get overwhelmed by things. Mm. Um, and so it's actually an effort to go, oh, st- strip all the, like, jumble away. How do you really feel? And then be confident enough to say what you actually think. Mm based on what you feel because it's easy for me to feel but maybe it's not so easy for me to like think and articulate 
So it's an effort. It's not. I don't know why how I'm why I'm talking about effort. <laughs> how did we get onto that? <laughs> Why we make work. Yeah. Yeah. But then how as well. It seems like how how you make decisions is by putting in the effort to listen to how you feel. Yeah. And then work out what that is and how it becomes embodied and then how it becomes shared. Yeah. What? is it that uh, inspires you or activates <laughs> enthusiasm? Mm. Um. Intelligence? Yeah. Um... In different forms. Hmm. Um, I'm mostly thinking about like films and books and also performance works and people (laughs) and nature. And nature, um, but yeah, in kind of in artwork, mo- like intelligence, and also, um, I think I'm normally inspired by like darker things. Dark intelligence. No, like darker things, like da- like sadness, huh. or um, yeah, sadness maybe is something that I. Enjoy, because it's uh, like it's a tool, or like yeah, it, it allows you to see something clearly, or totally. Are you are you very emotional? If I don't know what I think about something, it's good to remember that my body has already responded. Yeah. And it's already breathing faster or it's already clenched somewhere. Oh, totally. That's, yeah. And that it is my job a lot of the time to listen to that. To that. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've learned recently too. To recognize what's already happening in your body as a sign of how you might feel about something. And weirdly socially acculturated things as well. If I'm somewhere public and there's some kind of altercation, even if it's just two people yelling at each other, if I am in with one or more people and I'm the biggest person in that group of people, my body somehow Responds. responds. But if I'm not the biggest person then I'm more chill because I know that it's not that I'm going to get called into action first or something. Yeah, it's really strange. And it just does that. Yeah. But I know that that's not some kind of innate thing. It's like 
it's me sizing up the situation as if this becomes a threat, then I stand the best chances of just because I'm bigger than the person Mm. (laughs) that I'm with or whatever. Which is heightened as well when you're carrying an injury. Yeah. If you get slightly bumped or whatever or you're in a crowd of people and you're carrying an injury, it's it's a big deal. And it yeah, tips off all your emotions. Well, I experienced this when um, I got concussed, which I'd never been concussed before, and I didn't actually know I was concussed until like five days later. And I, that maybe two days after it happened, I got on a train, and I experienced like this, um, uh, some defense or like I felt like I needed to protect myself even though it wasn't even a packed train but there were just a, I was standing up and maybe there were two or three people standing up and I just experienced a feeling like I couldn't go anywhere near anyone else which I'd never felt before it was kind of amazing mm. but it was this real like I needed a um, force field it was really weird but yeah I don't know I haven't done much reading on this or I don't know heaps about it but um, like hypersensitivity is a real, I think it's so interesting mm. being hypersensitive, your body anything that's something that we train yeah, I, totally yeah um, which is a really double-edged it's double-edged it's double-edged because it's really it's kind of it's a bit special like it's a bit like a superpower it is a superpower for sure i don't know if you could use it like but it's just a cool experience because you feel things that you it's kind of like taking drugs like you feel things that you don't have control over sort of Mm. do you think i i would have phrased it that Everybody's feeling it, but not everybody's noticing. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably more like that. Yeah, you can get very absorbed in it. (laughs) Yeah, and you can really convince yourself that something's happening when nothing is happening. Happening, yeah, totally. And that's also a danger. Yeah. Um, One of my conundrums at the moment is, because I've been working with improvisational structures in performance, Mm. What I called it most recently was a ritual because I think a ritual is just a social structure mm-hmm. construct of how to have an experience together without talking. Yeah. Um, so mm. we designed a ritual. Uh, and I just mentally blanked. Ah, and my biggest question and what I was trying to tune my sensitivity to at every time was when are these things that's happening become something? Yeah. And when is it nothing? Nothing. <laughs> because I and don't how did you the how, what did she come uh, up with? That a lot of the time it's nothing. Yeah. And that because I'm working in time-based, like time will pass as this art unfolds, mm. then it is the time that will make it something. Yeah. When I curated an evening at PACT, there was some, it started, the mm. night started with a groove therapy workshop mm. and then there was some perfor- barbecue and then some performances to watch and then a DJ set to jam to. But the people who were fashionably late missed the groove therapy at the start and so weren't embodied, hadn't sweat 
and hadn't met people that they bumped into, yep. which meant when we had the barbecue outside, they had nothing to talk to each other about. Yeah. They didn't have new friends and they weren't warm. And then when they watched the dance, the dance pieces that were for viewing, their empathy wasn't activated mm. and engaged. And then when it came time for just having the discussion in the um, mm. Q&A or having the, just having a boogie with the DJ... They weren't ready yet. Yeah. And so, like, that entire night, I structured so that they would be ready yep. for each thing that happened. Was was it a significant amount of people who missed uh, it? Or? I think, no, maybe, like, 20 or 30. But the people were the people themselves were significant, like, people whose yeah, opinions sure. I wanted to hear. Yeah, but actually annoying. now I'm going to disregard those opinions because all the things that I n- think were something... I think was something because of how I structured, structured the evening. Yeah. And if you didn't, if you weren't there for yep. the beginning, then your opinion of whether it's something or nothing isn't within relationship to yep. the effort. To everything. So I think it's about that. Yeah. Which is, I hope, different from how every parent thinks that their child is the cutest. Whoa. <laughs> I, th- I think it's different. Yeah. I think it's really different. Okay. <laughs> but maybe you're talking about just because you you really were caring about this event. Yeah. So maybe you're questioning whether, like, your care is just the same as anyone else's care for anything they create. Yes. But I think maybe it's a bit more specific because you, you like, you, you designed the night as an entire thing that you wanted people to be there from beginning to end very specifically to experience something. So that's just, like, a performance begins at 6 p.m. So people... Like, if the doors were to shut... You, maybe you should have shut the doors at 6. Yeah. And I, let people out at 7 instead of being like, come whenever. Yeah. Even though you didn't say come whenever, you said come at 6, but maybe you should have said lockout. Oh, lockout. You should have done a lockout because that's what happens in shows. It's absolutely true. And this is the thing. The dancers were there on time. It was the visual artists that were not there on time. <gasps> Those visual artists. Or, the, like, the musicians or whatever because they're used to there being a support act. Yeah. Or they're used to yeah. that there's no actual event. You just all stand around and drink and look at stuff on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and just... <laughs> and I'm like, and just drink no, and talk. There's an event. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I... While I was um, at Campbelltown, staying in the Campbelltown flat, I watched a, started watching a movie with Eugene called, like, um, District something something. Oh, nine? Yeah, maybe. District it's, what, nine? Aliens? It, it's, like, South, South African. Yeah, I... St- that movie's I, so good. No, I went... Um, this is why I started thinking about hypersensitivity, because I... We were watching the movie, and the like when he starts to turn into an alien, yeah. his body, like he's in the hospital bed. I actually felt sick. Like I, th- I felt like I was going to vomit because I felt my body doing that, yeah. and it was fucked. And I was like, Eugene, we need to turn this off right now. And for a good half an hour later, I was not myself. Also, I watched this really good movie. This cannibal movie this feminist cannibal movie called raw which is a really great film it's like a horror movie but afterwards where you people like it's very graphic like you see eaten body parts and but afterwards i i got out of cinema and i was the person i was with i was just like can you please i need to hug you because i need to feel 
I need body contact to feel back to normal. Like I don't feel like my body's normal. I need to touch something to know that it's normal. That I shouldn't eat it. What? That you shouldn't eat it. That you should no more like my body just felt disturbed. Uh, like my actual physical yeah, body felt yeah. really disturbed and I needed some contact to feel, to I don't know what to feel. Mm. Just to feel the surfaces of my body like they hadn't been chewed into or something. Yeah. There's a thing that you <laughs> do after duo work, partnering work, contact in pro technique classes yeah. or whatever is to pat yourself back down yeah. so that you come back into a single oh, yeah. skin yeah. before you go back out into the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's why I can't watch fail vids. Fail vids? Yeah, like fail vid Does compilations you? on YouTube. I feel... You feel I it. I feel it, and I feel like... You feel the failure, I'm, or you feel the, like, hurt? I, I feel the injury, and I Shit. I feel as if... Because we practice watching someone do something and then being able to do it. Yeah. And so if oh, you watch somebody... Yeah, if you watch someone, like, do thing in a way that results broken leg, then that is it. a physical pathway that's yeah. going into your body. And then if you ever need to do that backflip or whatever, yeah. it's quite possible that you'll do it in that way. Yeah. And I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really scary. Yeah, fully scary. Have you had injuries? Oh, just Are you a bit traumatised from no, no, injury? No, no, no. I just don't want to. Yeah. I usually don't get injured from dancing. I just get injured from other things. Other things? Yeah. Life things. Snowboarding and shit. But like acute, like accidents, injuries, not like overuse injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Overuse. Overuse. Oh, God. I feel like I've overused my knees. Yeah, me too. I've got, like, a creaky knee. Age. Old age. <laughs> yeah. I've got creaky knees and kind of a bad hip. <laughs> and I just got private health and it, like, doesn't cover hip replacements. So. Well, not until a certain age. Yeah, which makes sense, but... I just got that. a bit scared yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I've screwed my hip. I probably haven't. What are you thinking about at the moment? What's really like going In around and around? Yeah. Um. Lots of things. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's really it? hard. I don't know. Um, I, I do feel like there have been a couple of things going on in personal life which mean that I have less um, attention or, like, brain... Your brain span is more spread also that's not right but like yeah your mm. your thinking is more spread so that you don't have as much um focus on like 
on the more interesting th- on theory yeah. thoughts. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like when is something something and when is it nothing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm sure that there are always things that come and go mm. um, that are stick around. I'm just trying to talk so that I think of it because I'm sure there's something. But um, yeah, I'm always kind of thinking about working, money, um Changing the world? Changing the world. Oh, here's one. I always, um, but it's kind of consistent with what we've been talking about, but I always imagine doing other things. It's really, sorry, it's not like a dance theory or or critical of dance. No, instead, but then also maybe as well. But like, I always imagine becoming a doctor or, um, Mm. yeah, I think I would like to do that, but it has some similarities with dance in that, like, it would be totally, like, you'd have to be, it's really hard. Yeah, it's all consuming. It's all consuming. It's um, details, discipline, you know, it's pretty... So maybe that's why I'm attracted to it in a way. Also, I've met some really cool, like, hippie doctors who I think are really cool. But I, And also so knowledgeable. I th- it's kind of the same as dancing. <laughs> um... Yeah, changing the world. Distance, time. Um. <laughs> when I was training, I, I think that I started training dancing because I saw people dancing and I wanted to dance like them. Yeah. And then as I worked out how to do that thing, I found other people who I wanted to dance like. Mm. And then I worked for those people. That's pretty cool. It was really cool. Yeah. But now I don't really know what it is that I'm reaching for in that sense of wanting to to dance like that person or wanting to work like that person. Yeah. But do you operate in that way as a dancer where you're like... Uh, well... Not really anymore. I did like that was a thing during my training, but I think I like I was very starry-eyed about a specific type of dancing that you know is like this Melbourne aesthetic <laughs> from like super influenced by postmodern dance in New York. Mm. Um, yeah, so I was during my training when I was like totally involved in this very I was like at uni from nine till six five days a week that was a thing that I was really actually like I was good at it and then also I and I was kind of in love with it um and then and I really um idolized Philip Adams who now I'm working for which um but I'm like I'm in a really different place now in terms of what I'm interested in, and I wonder if that if the structure was there, like if the structure remained where I danced all day, physically worked on like choreography and movement all day, I'd probably fall in love with other kind of movement things. Mm. But I don't so much what I don't. That's not a Thing that happens to me anymore really I do like I do 
watch some performances or and think wow that's maybe it's more to do with performing now and like wow that's an incredible way of performing or that was an incredible performance or that was so smart that how that what you just created and then I think about wanting to be kind of part of things like that or making things like that yeah but yeah if I was if the structure still existed where I danced all the time it would be way easier for me to be falling in love with dance all the time I don't know how people that's something I've been thinking yeah how yeah Mm. it's hard to have like it's some people do it but I found it hard to kind of have like long breaks or be be working in a really specific way and then just like the next week having to do a really different and specific thing which requires a completely different body um yeah yeah and I think I've had a bit of a revolt like I'm a very active person but I've had a at this point in time I've not I'm not really um I'm not training heaps as a bit of a rebellion what rebellion yeah yeah yeah. i think it's a bit of a rebellion but it's also tried a bit of a self-care thing like i'm trying to be like oh you know what i'm not gonna train really hard to get somewhere i'm just gonna like take it easy and i want to eat lots of food like i want to eat pasta and i want to um i'm yeah i still feel affected by um kind of slightly toxic things you might pick up going through like a ballet dance education Mm. maybe I think about it too much but I still feel like it's a thing for me to like have um, like a butt and legs and feel happy about that in terms of dancing you know (laughs) have a butt and legs Uh, like like feel fat on my thighs and feel good like I actually do feel good about that but in terms of that in relationship that in my relationship to dancing is something I still think about sometimes Mm -hmm. Hmm. I only ever think about if I can do the move yeah that's yeah and if I can do if my body will do the move that I want it to do then you feel good about that I'm all over that shit yeah yeah and if it will do the move time and again, then I'm sorted. And yeah. if it won't, then I know, all right, I need to train Work on for longevity yeah, yeah, so that I can get out of a chair when I'm older yeah. and not just ruining stuff. Yeah. What about, when, what is it when you see performing, when someone has performed and that thing is there? Yeah. What is that thing that you're like, yes, that's it. That's it. I want to do that. Um... I don't know. I'm not quite sure. No, me neither. But I'm not quite sure, but it's it's when people are being um true to something. Cuz I I was tempted to say honest, but that's also not true. <laughs> that's not it. 
because um but it's something like this is really random and <laughs> maybe not that accurate but you know the tennis player Nick Kyrgios I think he's you don't know him oh my god he's so funny like <laughs> he's so he's so bad like okay so he's a really like talented young tennis player um but he has like he's come into a bit of trouble because he has like such a bad attitude um anyway you should watch interviews with him because he does interviews with the press and he does not give a shit and he doesn't give them any time and he doesn't care at all about his reputation or he's not like trying to be an image in any way but I just think it's like such an incredible performance (laughs) it's the most he's not performing he's really being himself which is a bit sad because he really hates what he's doing obviously because he has such a bad attitude but it's kind of this really incredible just like watching him is really fascinating so something about someone someone I don't know if it's them knowing what they're doing or just on some level knowing what they're doing even if they're not like really conscious of what they're doing but in some level really sticking with something or Mm. I don't know what do you think I haven't worked it out but the thoughts I have so far is that you can take care of yourself and produce the environment required for you to reach a level of performing that doesn't ask you to put yourself in exposed or dangerous or vulnerable situations emotionally. Yeah. And that you don't have to be crying on the inside when you perform to make me feel like crying. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, you sh- you shouldn't be. Yeah, because that would be pretty. De- yeah, because so have to demanding. Do that every night. Yeah, that's a lot. That's so know. like that's so much. Yeah, but but that's where the skill is that you know how to do whatever it is that you need to do. Whether it's um, take two sharp short breaths and then hold it for a count yeah. of fifteen, and then that puts us all on edge and we don't know why. Mm. But you know, because you're the technician, you're the craftsman, you're mm. the artist you know that this very simple three-step procedure puts everyone on edge because it activates the empathetic response of the room. Mm. That's my experience with it. And that that I can approach it choreographically or I can approach it as a a level of skilled performing. Yeah. And it's just about which way you want to get into it. Do you want to have the internal monologue that tells you the things that you need to know, the fiction you need to make up so that it affects your breathing? Or do you mm. want to just tell yourself this is the breathing choreography and then that changes the modality of performance? don't know. What's a, can, do you have a really good performance in your head? It's just the silliest thing. Yeah. I saw, I watched a dress run of Roadkill. 
us, um, Sarah Jane Howard and Gavin Weber and mm-hmm. Grayson Millwood, and Luke Smiles did the sound. And was it recently? No, it was many years ago. But there's a scene where Sarah Jane comes up, like the whole room is very silent, and she comes kind of up, and there's just a torch that she's looking around in the dark. Mm-hmm. And... You just hear her breathe, but like she's trying for you not to hear her breathe, like the Jurassic Park breathing when they're in the kitchen. (laughs) And then she gasps for air and then turns the torch off. Mm. And that's just choreography. Yeah. But then you do it. You do it. (laughs) And then, yeah, it's like she's not going through emotional turmoil or fear or anything like that, but... Yeah, she's acting. <laughs> she's all. She's acting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <gasps> and then, yeah, which is great. And the only reason I know about it is because I saw it in rehearsals with the house yeah, lights okay. on. <laughs> oh, sure. That's um, so funny. Yeah. So I'm really big on that thing where you know what is your ability to affect yes. experience. Yeah. And you use yeah. all of those things beyond your yeah. need to prove your capability and capacity as mm. anything else and you probably don't need to do it in every show like you don't no. need to prove that you're a fantastic poet in this show you can just yeah prove that you know how to breathe in this show and then yeah. in, a, in a different show someone will ask that of you or... yeah mm. but i'm really really still stuck on this when something turns when something is something and when it's Still nothing. What? So... I just think that we convince ourselves of that in process sometimes as well. That it's something or that that it's nothing. That it's something. When it's still nothing, it's just that we've worked on it for so hard for so long. Totally. That what are we going to do? Just be comfortable that it's still nothing? Well, yeah, that's what we should do. But we don't. Yeah, you you have to be a, a bit brave to let something go. Yeah, to drop it in the bin. Um, but also maybe sometimes you you won't realise until um, you've shown someone else or you've actually done it. Yeah. When you've actually performed it. Yeah. Which is also a legitimate way of figuring things out. I worked... Um, Actually, where I met Ange for, for the first time in Adelaide, um, I was working at Vital Statistics with um, Malcolm Whitaker, who's this theatre dude. Um, and I j- just like at the last minute was called into this process because someone else couldn't go. And it was the two of us creating something together. And the premise of it was that he wanted to work with a dancer. He's a theatre maker because he doesn't understand dancing or something. Well, it's also very in fashion to work with dancers. Yeah, it is pretty in fashion because we're cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I remember being like what I was thinking about at that time was that he kept being a bit, um, I don't know what the right word is, but being, I guess, a little bit, not angry, but a little bit, I thought that he was being lazy, which I don't think he was being now, but his way of working was thinking of an idea and then, like, he'd just think of an idea 
And then he'd be like, then we'll do it in front of the audience and see if it works. And I think, I think because of my experience as a dancer, I was like, what? Like, you need to put, you need to, I was just thinking about performance differently. I was like, what about all the like research you can do and all the practice you can do before, like how, how much information can you get from an audience? But now I actually, now that I've been experiment or thinking about performance a bit differently, I kind of understand more that way of being, of working. For me, it's just about the skill that if my idea is to make a stupid example, if my idea is that I want in this moment, in this scene, I'm going to make it look like I'm floating through the space. And so I'll do that on the night. Well, if you can't achieve that yeah. effect, then it doesn't. Then your idea actually doesn't happen. Oh, and so yeah. the audience's response doesn't happen. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of... Um, performance makers fail in their lack of physical training is because their idea is good but that's not what people see when they mm. perform it because they haven't mm-hmm. embodied it yeah but also yeah people seeing yeah yeah sorry you go no just people you do it thinking you're doing something and then people seeing something else is a thing yeah yeah what are you gonna say it's the same as if you write down the phrase that you need in another language and you don't practice the pronunciation yeah. of it and you get to the country and you say it to the taxi driver and your pronunciation or your intonation or whatever makes it a totally different thing. Mm. And so no one gives a shit about what your <laughs> idea is because what you've said yeah. is not take me to the hotel, it's like take me to the fishbowl or something, I don't know. Yeah, take me to the fishbowl. <laughs> yeah. I want to go there. <laughs> But then on the other side, there's, I'm sure, a lot of doing very, very good execution of things. Of ideas. That are nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they, ha- they never became an idea in the first place. Yeah. They're just fully sick. Oh, well. Is there something I haven't asked you, something I haven't covered? Well, how long have we been recording for? An hour and a half. Whoa. Yeah. Since the last recording? No. An hour since the last recording. Oh, okay. Um, Mainly I just enjoy hearing you think out loud Yeah Yeah, it's been a nice conversation I don't know, you, you, if you want to ask one last question, you can Just one she, Oh, I don't know, you one. can ask two I'm, As I said, I'm free till 11 tomorrow What's your biggest hope? Whoa. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a big one. Um, <laughs> shit. I 
I guess my biggest hope is just um I'm really dorky like I just think about dorky things but um my biggest hope is that I just have like a um a really happy and fun life and that I I in times of desperation I use hope as this like really like holding on technique like holding on to the rope um in a kind of desperate way but I hope that I, with dance right now, I hope that it, I can go place, I can go further into places I don't expect. I don't know if that's going to happen. And if that hap- doesn't happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. But at, right now I'm hoping that somehow I'll end up somewhere I don't know. that is challenging and um, challenging in a good way. Yeah. And I hope that I have lots of nice friends because <laughs> friends are really important. And it's really good to be friends with, um, like, people who, like, being in, like, the art community, it's really amazing having friends who do such amazing things and that you're proud of. Like, it's so nice having, when you look at what your friend's creating and you go, holy shit, like, they're so good and they're my friend. How nice is that? Yeah, it's really nice. (laughs) It's incredible. That gives me hope. Yeah. Yeah, when your heroes turn out to be your peers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good place to be in. That's such a nice place to be in. Yeah.